You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Listen, I'm so excited to have you with us today. We're on a leadership journey. This is my leadership edition of the How to Win podcast. And listen, you're going to be blessed. My goal is to inspire you. My goal is to motivate you. My goal is to equip you to lead on a high level, regardless to your level of leadership. I was talking to someone recently, and that person did not presently have a leadership position, but I was telling her that it is important to prepare herself now for leadership. So maybe you just have aspirations of becoming a leader. You don't have a, a title, you don't have a position yet, but these, these lessons will bless you. Or if you're in a new leadership role, listen, you're in the right place. Or if you're an experienced leader, Listen, we can always grow in our leadership. And I want you to think broadly now, leadership in the home, leadership at school, leadership at work, leadership in business, leadership in ministry. Maybe you're a coach, maybe you're a principal, maybe you're a teacher. Leadership across uh, the broad spectrum of life. I believe that God has anointed me and called me to coach and equip you and to mentor you. So we're going to drop some great nuggets on you today, and it's going to be a blessing to you. Now, the series title uh, is The Essence of Leadership the essence of leadership. And this is just part one of the series, the overall series title. And we're talking about what is leadership. This is our seventh lesson. Wow. Seventh lesson. And I've been giving you definitions of what leadership is. So let's review because I'm going to try to close this out today, this part out, what is, lead, what is leadership today. So let's do a, a review. Let, I had gave you, I've given you five definitions so far. So we're going to uh, give you the six and seventh definition today. But let's go back and review. Our first definition, what is leadership? Leadership is the art of inspiring people to do something with the focus on people. Our second definition, leadership is evoking in others the capacity to dream. Our third definition of leadership, leadership is the ability to transform the potential of followers into reality. Our fourth definition of leadership is leadership is the capacity to care and in caring to liberate the ideas, energy, and capacity of others. And then in our last episode, we said that leadership, number five, is the ability to motivate a group of people 
toward the achievement of a mutually agreed upon and mutually beneficial vision, integrating the needs of the followers with the goal of the organization. Now, five different definitions. I wanted to review those definitions before we got into the sixth definition, because there is a consistent theme in those five definitions. And the consistent theme is others, others, others. Leadership is about others. And if you're a leader, aspiring, uh, have aspirations of being a leader, you have to understand that your leadership is about others. Come on, say that. Leadership is about others. Others' growth, others' development, others reaching their potential, others being motivated, others. Now, the reason why I wanted to review those five definitions because of our sixth definition, and it's going to make sense to you. Our sixth definition today, number six, leadership is the ability to submerge your ego for the sake of what is best for others and the team. Now, let's, let's look at that. Leadership is the ability to submerge your ego for the sake of others and for the sake of your team. Now, the sake, for the sake of your followers. Now, right away, I'm going to show you in the scriptures, but right away, you can see that there's no way you can demonstrate and walk out these six, these five definitions if you have an ego problem, okay? And we'll get into that in a moment. I want to give you a proof text. These leadership lessons are based off biblical principles. I believe that the Word of God is the answer for leadership, too. So we're taking these principles from the Word of God, and we're looking at illustrations, examples um, of what the Scripture says and relating the Bible to the leadership operation of people. Now watch this. Leadership is the ability to submerge your ego for the sake of what's best for others, what's best for the team, what's best for the followers. I have a proof text, 3 John, the 30 epistle of John, verses 9 through 10. It's only one chapter, so verses 9 through 10 and the New King James Version. There is an individual named Diotrephes, the atrophies who was a leader in the church. Now listen what the text says. And John is writing to Gaius. He's writing to the church. He says, I have written something to the church, but the atrophies, 
who likes to put himself first does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing in spreading false charges against us and even prevents those who wants to do so and expels them from the church. So we have a leader in the church and the apostle John, one of the original 12, is writing to the church to expose this leader. Now, Diotrephes was an ego-driven leader. Let's stop there for a moment. An ego-driven leader. No ego-driven leader, leader can, can operate in true leadership, can carry out these five prior definitions, walk them out. It's impossible. And unfortunately, there are ego-driven leaders in all of the avenues and areas of leadership that I've mentioned. Sometimes husbands and fathers are ego-driven. Sometimes it's our leaders in education that are ego-driven. Sometimes it's an ego-driven principal or ego-driven teacher, ego-driven professor. Sometimes it's ego-driven business people, ego-driven CEOs, ego-driven uh, business owners. Sometimes it's ego-driven officers in the military. Sometimes it can be ego-driven leaders in the church. And when I was talking to church, my background is church. I pastored for 42 years and about eight months. And it, I've seen ego-driven leaders across the board. Sometimes it's ego-driven pastors. Let's start with us. Let's start with the people. Sometimes it can be ego-driven leaders in the church, ego-driven department heads, ego-driven Sunday school teachers, ego-driven deacons. Not a blessing to be led by ego-driven leader. And that's what Diotrephes was. He was an ego-driven leader. Now, let's, let's take a moment and let's look at some characteristics of an ego-driven leader. And I want you to, leader, I want you to think about yourself. Uh, in one of my sessions on my Thursday podcast, I was dealing with personal awareness or self-awareness, and we talked about blind spots, areas where we're unaware of our behavior, unaware of our body language, unaware of how we're impacting others, 
And I want you to listen. I want you to just listen. Regardless to your level of leadership, I want you to listen and I want you to self-evaluate. Are you an ego-driven leader? Diotrephes was driven by pride. He was driven by uh, self-promotion. He was driven uh, by authority abuse. And we see that in all over the place from secular arenas to church arenas to in the home, we see ego-driven leadership. So let's look at some of the characteristics of it, and I want you to self-evaluate. Ego-driven leaders are focused on self at the cost of others. They focus on self at the cost of others. In other words, an ego-driven leader, leader, leader thinks about me. How can I win? How can I get ahead? How can my team win? How can I? Can I? It's self-focused. How can I get to the next level? How can I do this? How can I get my church to, to be the best church in the city? How can I? It's always self-focus. Secondly, a second characteristic of an ego-driven leader is ego-driven leaders enjoy power. They enjoy power. The power that comes from position, the power that comes from a title. And you see it. You, you, you see it in different arenas. People who really enjoy the power. They enjoy the power of their title. They're quick to let you know who they are. I am Dr. So-and-so. You can't call me this. You can't call me that. I am Dr. So-and-so. I am the head of this. You know, you, you, you sense that air about them that they really enjoy the power that comes with their position. And I think that the abuse or misuse of power is an integrity issue. And I talk about it in my podcast on leading yourself, the integrity factor. Thirdly, an ego-driven leader always need to be right. They need to be right. And everything being done the exact way they want it. They need to be right. Do you need to be right? Do you need to be right all the time? And does everything have to be done your way? If it has to be done your way, there's no other way. My way or the highway, then you are an ego-driven leader. Number four, ego-driven leaders overestimate their abilities and underestimate the skills and the efforts of others. They overestimate their abilities and underestimate the skills and the efforts of others. Number five, we're talking about the characteristics of an ego-driven leader. And diatrophies over in third epistle of John was an ego-driven leader. 
They need, number five, to feel power and control to feed their confidence. They need to feel power and control to feed their confidence. The atrophies, the, the context, the historical context, is that there were traveling missionaries. And the Apostle John wanted the church to support these traveling missionaries. Well, Diotrephus didn't want to support them. And he did not want to submit to the authority of the Apostle John. I'm in charge, Diotrephus said, and we're not going to support them. And then they, he, he actually ostracized those who wanted to give support. He just was throwing his weight around. He, he liked the control that he had. You know, I'm over this. I'm over this finance department. You, you can't do that. And you have people in church, man, it's, it's sad, but even in church you have leaders who really want to run the pastor. They, they want to tell the pastor what the pastor can do and what the pastor can't do. And nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible does it talks about the committee leader or the deacon leader or whoever it is of the elder this is actually in authority over the pastor. That is church abuse. That's church, that's church abuse. It, re it really is. No authority is given to leaders under the pastor to be telling the pastor what he can do and what he can't do as the leader. Sure, the pastor should be collaborating and the pastor should, should be working with his team. But God is holding the pastor responsibility for the vision of the church. That's a whole nother issue. And stay right with me. Come on, stay right with me. Come on back with me. Come on back with me, elder. Come on back with me, deacon. Come on back with me. I know you've been in the church a long time. I know you were there before the pastor came. I know you was on the committee that brought the pastor in. I know it, and I know you've been there. You grew up in the church, and I know you got a group of people that's following you. That's still leadership abuse. That's, that's leadership abuse. Now, let's, we're talking about an ego-driven leader, incapable, number six, of listening or recognizing different perspectives. Incapable, incapable of recognizing, incapable of listening to others' perspectives. And anybody, I don't care whether you're the pastor, I don't care whether you're the bishop, I don't care whether you're the apostle or whoever you are, if you cannot listen to others and recognize others' perspective, you are an ego-driven leader. Number seven, inflexible, unable to change. Inflexible, unable to change. That's just, that, that is, is really connected to pride. I'm just, I, you know, I'm, I, we've always done it this way. Listen, listen, my daddy did it this way. My granddaddy did it this way. And we're going to do it this way, you know. And when you get leaders like that, because times change, situations change, people change, any growing organization has to embrace change. If you don't embrace change, you're going to end up irrelevant outdated. 
So some leaders, they just inflexible, unable to change, won't listen to anybody else, are ego-driven. It's pride. It's a, it's a form of pride there. They know everything, don't want to listen to anybody else's perspective. Am I talking to you now? I said, am I talking to you right now? Ego-driven leaders struggle to accept criticism and constructive feedback. Number one, if you're in a leadership position, you might as well position yourself mentally and emotionally, you're going to have some criticism. Jesus had criticism. People criticized God. Guess what? You're going to be criticized, too. It just comes with the territory. But some people, they get really bent out of shape over criticism when criticism comes with the the reputation. You know, I was thinking, you know, I am a Nick Saban fan. You know, I, I love Nick Saban. I think he's the greatest college coach to ever coach the game. I believe that he's the GOAT. And he recently uh, selected uh, two new uh, leaders in his, in, on his team, a, uh, a coordinator for the offense and a coordinator for the defense. And it's absolutely amazing to see the criticism that people throw out who really, people who really have not done anything on the level that he's done it on. Here's a man who has seven, eight, how many ever championships, the most of anybody alive or dead in the college area. He has a track record of being successful, and you have people from different arenas, students, uh, fans, media people, and they got all these things about what's wrong with the decisions and all that. You know, it's just a little interesting to see people talk about something that they've never accomplished in their own life, but they are an expert on why this is wrong and why that's wrong. Will he make some mistakes? Every leader, every great leader make mistakes. Every leader make mistakes, but it's just absolutely amazing. But I think he handles the criticism And I know there's sometimes he may feel like cursing. I don't know him personally, but I know sometimes he may feel like telling people you don't know what you're talking about and you've never done that. But I've never seen him come out like that. Struggle to accept criticism. Some people struggle to accept constructive criticism. There was a situation where he came out and said that "I'm, I'm the boss, I'm the leader, I'm responsible. Great leaders accept constructive criticism and feedback, but ego-driven leaders don't. Ego-driven leaders don't accept criticism, don't accept uh, feedback. Thank God I I, I love Nick Saban, and I thank God for uh, his leadership. Place blame. Ego-driven lead, and I wasn't talking about him as an ego-driven leader. Sometimes people hear something, they put other stuff with it. I, I was talking the opposite of it. I was talking about people criticizing him who have no expertise in the matter. Okay. Ego-driven leaders blame others or blame others on their team, and they refuse to accept responsibility for failure. 
we call it throwing people under the bus. Ego-driven leaders will never accept responsibility. They will never take responsibility for failure, and they will always blame others on their team. Ego-driven leadership, they take credit, number 10, for team success. Take credit for team success. The team does this, and then all they talk about is themselves, how I did this, and I thought of this, and I came up with this. Ego-driven, number 11, they use people's skills to further their own ends and not to build relationships. They use people, they use their skills to further their own ends. They're trying to get ahead, so they use people however they want because they're trying to get somewhere else to build their own ends and not to build relationships. Number 12, they can't admit mistakes. Ego-driven leaders cannot admit mistakes. Number 13, they're very competitive and need to be better than others. They are very competitive. You, if you look at the historical context of the atrophies, you got three individuals that's highlighted. You got the Apostle John, you got Gaius, and the Apostle Paul commends Gaius, who is a leader in that church. He commends him for his generosity. He confronts the atrophies for his pride and his selfishness. And the atrophies were so competitive. I mean, he could he didn't want John telling him what to do. He didn't want Gaius telling him what to do. He didn't want anybody telling him he had to be better than Gaius, better than John. And there are leaders who actually compete with people on their team, which makes no sense. It makes no leadership sense to compete with people on your team. Makes no leadership sense whatsoever. So when we look at this, this scenario here, leadership is the ability to submerge your ego. Everybody has some ego. Everybody. Take, for example, I want to win. I want to win if it's checkers. I want to win. I don't care whatever it is. If we're playing cards, I want to win. So everybody has some level of ego, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think successful people, they all have a level of ego and confidence in their ability. Nothing wrong with that. But when you're operating in a a team setting and when you're trying to motivate followers it cannot be about you it just cannot if everything is about you then you're not going to be able to motivate your team you're not going to provide the example that they need that creates the climate establish the environment for people to thrive. They're not going to want to follow you because they know everything is about you. They're not going to feel that they can grow in the, in, under you because it's all about you. That's an ego-driven leader. And to lead, you have to put your people in front of you. You have to put them in front of you. Ego-driven leader can do that. Diotrephus desired to have the preeminence. He wanted to be first. 
I'm saying if you're going to motivate people, you have to put them up before you. They cannot view you trying to promote yourself because they're going to go AWOL on you, either physically or psychologically, because people just are not uh, going to submit to ego-driven leaders. Now, I want to mention briefly uh, the seventh uh, definition. And if you notice, most of these definitions has been about others and have been about people. So I want to briefly list this definition. I won't go into much detail. I think it's very obvious. And then I want to go back to some things that I've said in the very beginning of this part. Number seven, leadership is seeing possibilities in a situation while others are seeing limitations. Leadership is seeing possibilities in a situation while others are seeing limitations. Our proof text for that is Joshua chapter six, verse two. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of value. See, I have given. God is speaking to, to Joshua. See that I've given Jericho in your hand. Now, I want you to understand that Jericho is the first city, <coughs> pardon me, it is the first city in the promised land that the Israelites, Israel and the old covenant were facing Jericho. Tradition has it that the walls of Jericho were so thick, so wide that they raced chariots on top of the walls. So with the walls standing strong, the God said to Joshua, I want you to see that I've given you that city. I want you to see that I've given you the king. In other words, he's saying to Joshua, I want you to see that the wall is down. So leaders see possibilities in a situation while others see limitations. Leaders see the walls down while others see the walls up. They have a positive disposition, even in times of uh, obstacles, even in times of adversity. Leaders see opportunities. They don't just see obstacles. They see opportunities. They don't just see walls, impediments, but they see victory. That's the bottom line on that. Now, I want to close this part. We're talking about what is leadership. I want to close this part by referencing something that I said at the very beginning in lesson one and lesson two, maybe possibly in lesson three. I said that there is a difference between leading and managing. I said that the, it is possible to be a great manager and a poor leader. I said that many in leadership in organizations are not 
leaders, they are managers. And what I wanted to do was make those bold statements. And if you follow me on this leadership journey, and this is our seventh lesson, if you've been following me, I hope I'm, uh, that you have understood why I said that, and I hope that you have gained some understanding between the difference of managing and leading. I believe that there's a gap, there's a void in the area of leadership. I believe you can find managers all over the place. And I've been balanced in that I realize that there's a need for management. But organizations don't grow out of management. They grow out of leadership. So I wanted to conclude by giving you a contrast, summarizing the contrast that I've been trying to communicate in these seven lessons, the difference between leading and management. So let's walk it out. What's the difference between leading and managing? Number one, leaders and leadership is about people. Management is about things, whether it be resource, things, time, things, activities, workflow. It's about things. People, leadership. Things, management. Number two, leading is about empowerment. Empowerment. Now, some of these things, we're going to go really deep into these things later on. Leadership and leading is about empowerment. Managing and management is about control. Empowerment, control. I give you power. I maintain control. Thirdly, leadership is about motivation. We talked about that recently. Managing is about instructions. Motivation. Instructions. Leadership and leading is about creating innovation. Management is about organizing. I organize the resources, I organize the people, I organize time flow, workflow, I organize. But leadership is about creating innovation. Leadership is about risk. You can't avoid risk when you're leading because when you empower people, there's some risk in that. But management is about maintaining, risk, maintaining, risk, maintaining. Bible illustration of that, I think that's Matthew chapter 25, where the man gave the talents. He had three servants, gave one a servant five talents, another servant two talents, another servant one talent. And the, the servants that had the five and the two talents went out and invested it and multiplied what they had, but that was risky. But the one talent individual buried uh, the talent in the ground, maintained it. So there's risk in leadership. Management is maintaining. Leadership is about who? 
management is about what? Leadership is about developing people while achieving results. Management is about achieving goals and getting results. I'll say that again. Leadership is about developing people while achieving results. Developing people while achieving results. Management is about achieving goals and getting results. Finally, leaders create leaders. Managers create managers. And consequently, when you put all these things together, you add the leadership side and you add the management side, the retention is higher when someone is leading. The retention, people stand with you, people following you, people taking the journey with you, the retention is higher on the leader. The turnover is higher on the management. There's gonna always be a high turnover here now, I'll close with this. Some sources say that 65% of people leave a company because of their manager. 65 people, this source says, people leave, 65% of people leave a company because of their manager. In other words, people quit people, not companies. That's, for the most part, people quit because of somebody over them. Now, listen, I'm out of time. I want you to go back, listen to all seven lessons. We're going to begin another part on the, the essence of a leader because we're going to talk now about the, the role of leadership, the role of it. And we're going to repeat some of the things we said over in what is leadership. But this is a journey. It's not a destination. It's not an event. And I want to thank you for taking this journey with me. Go back, listen to it. And, and as Paul said to Timothy, consider what I say and the Lord will give you understanding. I love you. Pray that you have a great week. And I look forward to seeing you next time.